The book of Job is about bad things happening to a good person. Nobody suffered more and nobody deserved it less. We are told earlier in Job that the Lord says of him to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. This is Job in a nutshell. That all at once the whole world should come crashing down on an innocent man was the ultimate unfairness. How could it happen? First raiders stole his belongings and slaughtered his servants. Then a fire from the sky burned up his sheep and a night mighty wind destroyed his house, killing all his sons and daughters. And finally, Job came down with a horribly painful disease. What did I do to deserve such suffering, he wailed. We, the readers, know he did nothing. But nobody tells Job or his friends. Unknown to Job, he was involved in a cosmic test. A battle between Satan and God. A contest proposed in heaven, but staged on earth. For Satan has claimed that people like Job love God only because of the good things he provides. Remove those things, Satan challenges, and Job's faith will melt away with his riches and his health. We could say God's reputation was on the line. Would Job continue to trust him, even when his life was falling apart? This, of course, is the crucial question of the book. Would Job turn against God? So in this extreme test of faith, the best man on earth suffered the worst fortune. His once happy life became one of tragic hardships, with one disaster after another. He is ridiculed and mocked as the events unfold, and by his friends. And Job, against all odds, just hangs on in there, believing in a loving, fair God, even when all the evidence pointed against such a God. I know, he states, that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, his Redeemer will be seen on earth. Even after his flesh has been destroyed, Job believes he will see God on his side. He warns his friends who blame God for his troubles that they should fear his wrath and judgment, which will be coming to them. Today's reading from Job is one of the book's most famous passages and I'm sure you're all familiar with it because each Easter, those who listen to Handel's Messiah will be very familiar with the words, my Redeemer lives. I think it would be my Redeemer liveth in Handel's words, the lyrics. Why did Job say, I know my Redeemer lives when things were going so badly for him? How could he? He could, 
because these words reveal the perspective Job had throughout his trials. Life had been difficult. He had suffered and lost much. Yet his hope and faith was for the time when the Lord would come in righteousness. Coming to restore what was lost and bringing peace. How my heart yearns within me for this, he says. What can Job teach us about suffering? Well, the story of Job is the prime example we have before us of great suffering in the Bible, other than the resurrection, of course, or the crucifixion. It is the go-to book in our own human struggle to understand the problem of suffering. It's unfairness, and if you like, it's randomness. We all seek to know why bad things happen to good people. Job was upright and unwavering in his commitment to God. Yet he loses everything, his children, his wealth, and eventually his health. And how many times do we see when we look at the news or look at a newspaper about certain families suffering one calamitous blow after another? Either with their families or their situations. The situations around the world, the war-torn countries, those without food, people without water. How? Do they keep going? I know that all of us here can identify with inexplicable suffering because that's what it is very often. It's inexplicable. It is one of the biggest and most challenging questions launched against our faith in God, isn't it? If your God is so good, why does he let these terrible things in the world happen? How many times have we heard that? And here, in this miserable situation, and this isn't a cop-out, we have to accept that not every answer is available to us during our time here on Earth. Suffering is a mystery which we will never understand or have been given a full understanding of. We cannot fully understand because we can't see the universe from God's perspective. But we are allowed to have feelings of anger and injustice. I remember once at a funeral in London where a very young father had died and there were three relatively small children following the coffin. And the smallest child couldn't quite reach the coffin like his two older siblings could. So someone held his hand there. And I remember after the funeral going up to say to our vicar, thank you, John, because I was very <coughs> grateful for what you said. Because he had said during the service that, you know, it is all right to have these earthly feelings of confusion, frustration, anger. And sometimes just completely shutting off or trying to our faith. But he said, you know, God has a grip on us. We never quite get there. 
And then he said something else. He said, you know, we all have lots of questions. But by the time we get to heaven, and he used the word redeemer, and face our redeemer, those questions won't really matter. Job, I believe, is a book that can help us on the journey through our own suffering. Even though it may be hard to face, and even harder to try to accept. Job is an enormous help to us because the entire book deals with the question, why? The question we ask ourselves so very often, why, why, why? Sooner or later in life, we find ourselves in a place similar to Job's. Our world seems to be crumbling apart. Nothing makes sense anymore. And God seems to be both distant and silent. And our lives, if you like, become a trial. With the main question being, why isn't God helping me? And what have I done to deserve this? Or what have they done, thinking of others, to deserve that? Job's response is humbling because he refuses to give his own limited judgments on what has befallen him. He does this in order to trust God and God's infinite knowledge. He knows that what it looks like to those around him is not necessarily the whole accurate picture. Only God knows. Job does not accuse God. And although he knows his situation is bad, he does not make it even more intolerable by fretting about what he does or cannot know. Instead, he places his hope for the future in God. I know that my Redeemer lives. I myself will see him. This passage is a declaration of Job's faith. He knows and believes in the one who will rescue him from the mess he is in. I think it's important to say here that when Job says, I know my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth, that Job only has God himself in mind. It does not have the full New Testament Christian theology of the risen Christ and the second coming in it. If it did, it would upend Old Testament theology on its head. Of course, there are seeds of that in Isaiah, the prophet, but this is different. Job is clearly expressing his conviction that there is one living God who will deliver him from his suffering, just as he had delivered his people from slavery in Egypt and would later from exile in Babylon. The same God who saved them from death and rescued those who prayed for help. We find that all through the Psalms. I would like to end with a couple of thoughts for us to dwell on. Maybe using these thoughts in Advent. The first being, where do we place our hopes for the future? All Job's hopes were placed in his Redeemer, the one living God. But we have a very different attitude in the Gospel reading from Luke. 
In first century Israel, the Sadducees were a religious group that wielded enormous social and religious power. They were the Jewish aristocrats of their day. And as well known for their wealth as corrupt of, and corruption as they were for their religious devotion as high priests. These men hated Jesus and had no belief in the resurrection. They only believed in the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, the Torah. So some of them have now come to challenge Jesus on the resurrection using a Jewish custom relating to marriage. In Mosaic law, a male relative had the responsibility of looking after his brother's widow. The Hebrew term for this relative was kinsman redeemer, designating the person as one who delivers or rescues. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer in the book of Ruth. Jesus is asked whose wife would a woman be at the resurrection? Because after her husband, who had six brothers, died, she had been rescued and a wife to all of them and was completely childless. Jesus tells them that in the time to come, no one will marry or be given in marriage. Instead, their security will be found in the relationship to God. They will be God's children, since they are the children of the resurrection. So my first thought, where do we place our hopes for the future? Here on earth through our children, or material things, like the Sadducees, or do we place our hopes in Jesus, our kinsman redeemer? He paid the price to redeem us with his life on the cross. And by dying on the cross, Jesus continues to pay the price for all of us. Because of him, we have a freedom of a new life. He is our saviour through his blood. My second and last thought is also really a question. Job never blamed God throughout his trials. Do we? Or can we, like Job, focus on the living God and place our hope in in him. Amen. Sorry, I have to turn this thing off.